Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. My name is Greg, and today we have a very, very special guest. I am very excited to talk to this guest because he's one of those club med names that you heard about that were legendary, and I'm going to share with him the story how I first heard of this uh, gentleman. Okay, now to see if this story is true or not, he's agreed to talk about it, so I'm pretty excited about that. He is originally from Washington State, now living in Atlanta. His first season was in March of 1998 in Sonora Bay as a water ski geo. Now I'm going to introduce him now. He only goes by one name because he only needs one name. One name, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Boone. Hi, sir. How are you? Fantastic, Greg. Thanks for, for having me. And uh, listen, listen, before we get this thing started, yes. I got to say, this is so cool what you're doing, man. I think this is fantastic and just kind of really shows the the power of that that club med fraternity and sorority and you know having all these folks being on these calls i had no idea about this until susie told me about it uh, a few weeks ago so man i think this is cool what you're doing oh thank you and i'm i'm glad you you agreed to come on because if you 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 said no it was you know i'm, I'm used to getting no but i think if you had said no it probably would have broken my heart because you're <laughs> such a funny and interesting guy and you know i i finally got to meet you at the uh, club med xgo reunion in 2008 after That's all right. those years of hearing about you, then I got to see your, uh, you put on, uh, I think about a good 45 minute up routine there too on stage, which had us yeah. all in stitches. So uh, I want to talk about your comedy background too, but sure. uh, so you know how the show works. I wonder if you can take me back in time to before Club Ed to, you know, what you were doing and uh, you know, where were you living? Were you going to school? Were you working? And how'd you find out about Club Med? Yeah, for sure. Um, but let me go back a little bit. What, what's, what's the story that you know of like that what the first story you heard about me i'm curious okay oh you want to do that one first let's do it man okay. i'm curious you got me you got, I, me you got I, me on edge here okay well no i i heard now i don't know i can't remember what year you know to be frank but i heard that there was some dude somewhere in club Med village and he was doing stuntman shots and then i had to ask someone because i felt silly like what's a stuntman shot and they described it as well well greg you you know you inhale a line of salt you you do a shot of tequila, and then for some reason, you squirt lime or lemon juice in your eye. And I kept thinking, why would anyone do that? Okay, so is this story true or false? <laughs> um, you know what? Good. Yes, Greg, it is. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Uh, of all the stories, though, I think that one was... <laughs> It was a repetitive story. We definitely, you think we would have learned our lesson doing it just one time and not being able to see out of one eye for a couple of days. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, it was more of a frequency than not in uh, in Cancun. So, yeah. Ah, that's Cancun. Crazy. Okay. Now, okay. So, did you have to talk like pi a pirate the remainder of the day? Was that was that the deal? Or uh, because you only had the one eye? Or, now, I, I, I heard a true stuntman shot, and this started with rugby players, was after you squirted lemon juice in your in your own eye someone actually punched you in the face now please say you did this without the punch in the face after i i punched myself in the face just oh, for, kind of that why why do you keep doing this you idiot <laughs> um so it was more of a self-inflicted wound than, than anything else okay so you probably so people were like you're funny without this shot so eventually you you dropped it from your your repertoire right i'm hoping yeah, because i okay. matured a little bit not okay. by much but i did mature a little bit but if prompted at the holidays, you'll probably break it out, right? I'm guessing. Absolutely. Okay. Now, it's a hit at weddings. It's a hit at weddings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you for confirming that story. That that makes my heart grow fonder. Thank you. <laughs> now, would you care to go back in time, sir, and tell me where it all started? Yeah. You know, so, geez, 
1998. So I, I had no idea what Club Med was. I, I um, you know, again, being from Washington State, I went to college at Western Washington University, which is about hour and a half north of Seattle in a town called Bellingham, which is, I'd say, about 45 minutes south of Vancouver. And um, so I was in a, a program, a recreation program, where my emphasis was tourism management. And really, it was kind of four different phases that you went through. That third phase was actually a, an internship that you had to do. And we had a great program. So we had a lot of connections with other companies like with Marriott and, and some other resorts. But, you know, this internship, if you went through them, it was basically, you know, handing out towels for, for three months. And I've always been the type of person like I just I want to do things different and I want to do what everybody else does. So I talked to my professors. I'm like, listen. If you think I'm going to hand out towels for three months, I will lose my mind. I go, there's got to be something else, you know, I can do. And so my professor, Jill, I'll never forget. She said, well, you know what? There was somebody that went to school here a while ago who worked for Club Med Resorts. You should do a little research. And if it you know, sounds of interest to you, go ahead and apply and put his name in your cover letter. And so I Pulled up clubmed.com, did some research, learned about, you know, being a GO and a GE and a GM and so and all the sports and things that you could do and be a part of. And they had, of course, water ski. And now, you know, I've been water skiing since I was four or five years old. And actually, the college that I was going to, uh, we had a collegiate water ski team. So I used to compete. at the No way. Level. Yeah. I see. So, this is why I love the States. Like in San Diego, you can take surfing for credit. So now oh, you're telling yeah. me you can water. Sk- oh, God. Are you serious? Yeah, it was great. Ugh. And so I, and so this gentleman's name was, was Steve Miller. And so I filled out my application, put his name in my cover letter and mailed it. Now, let me just, that just shows how old I am. Mailed it. I didn't email it. Mailed it to the uh, Club Med office in, in South Florida. And I get a call a few weeks later. Now, you know, I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. Like I have got to get this, this internship because I don't have a backup plan. So I'm rolling the dice here. So I get a call from somebody in the corporate. I don't know if it was GA or, or Steve Riley who contacted me, but they basically said, hey, we would love for you to interview in Vancouver, BC. Interviews are, you know, this day and time love for you to get up there and I was like oh it's fantastic it's only you know 45 minutes away so I go up there and you know again I'm I'm sweating bullets because I got to get this right so I'm in the hotel I don't know which hotel it was in Vancouver but I'm in you know the lobby with a bunch of other people and of course being in the northwest it's it's raining so I have my my ski team jacket on and this guy comes up to me and he says hey when did western you know get a water ski team and so you know, start talking shop and start talking about water skiing. I'm like, oh, we've had it for a few years. And so we kind of knew some of the same people in that water ski world. And he says, hey, well, well, my name's Steve. Nice to meet you. And I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. My name's Boone. And we start talking a little bit more. And all of a sudden, just kind of clicked. And I'm like, wait a minute. He's like, is your is your last name Miller? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? I got put your name in my cover letter. My professors told me about you. And he said, yeah, that's why I'm asking you about Western. So all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my gosh, this could work out. So he said, listen, this was going to happen. We're going to go into this room. We're going to give you a presentation on what Club Med is. And then we break out into interviews. I'm, I'll make sure I interview you and, and kind of give you some more details. So had a chance to talk with him one on one. And he's just telling me about these, you know, water ski shows he used to do, barefoot shows, all these different locations he's been. And I'm just salivating. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. So he kind of says, all right, look, I got to ask you some basic questions. He said, uh, you know, would you dress up and hand out fruit on the beach? 
And I'm like, listen, man, I need this internship. I'll do it naked. I don't care. Whatever it is you need me to do, I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. And so he said, listen, you're in. They're going to contact you probably a couple of weeks. Let you know where you're going to go. And so a couple weeks later, sure not. And again, I can't remember if it was GA or Steve Riley. They contacted me and they said, you know, you're going to uh, you're going to Sonora Bay, Mexico. And so it, it all worked out. And that's where it all began. Wow. All right. So so you actually watched a, a, a like a video, a presentation about Club Med? Yeah, they, they brought us into a room and they had a few people, XGOs. It's like Steve Miller and, and his wife, Drew, who uh, they met in Club Med, you know, and, and had. And that's another story I'll tell you about here in a second. It kind of comes full circle. Uh, but yeah, they get a presentation, a little video, and they just basically broke us out into individual interviews with folks. And, and then, uh, yeah, just kind of went from there. Had you been to Mexico before? You know, I had, I had gone to Mazatlan for uh, when I graduated high school and then my mom's side of the family is from, from Mexico. So there was like kind of, really? a, it was oh. meant to be of all places. I take it back to the, to the motherland. Let's go back to Mexico. So it kind of, kind of worked out. It's a beautiful location. The Sonora Blake club. Uh, right? Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, really where that desert meets the ocean and, uh, yeah, I had never seen a place like that before. It was fantastic. I'd gone there once in 95 on vacation, but if I recall around March, isn't the water pretty cold? Yeah. You know what? We, you know, when we first got there, you know, that village, I think closed in October, shut down there in the winter. And then we would get there. I think it opened in April. And so I got sent there early to help kind of get things up and running. I mean, of course, my first season, I had no idea what I'm doing. But when we kicked things off and opened up, yeah, that water was cold. I mean, not a lot of people came. See, we had wetsuits we would give people. And I was like, I thought I was in Mexico. I didn't know I was back up in, in Washington State freezing, trying to trying to ski. So, yeah. And then all of a sudden, though, middle of summer, we were the hot, like one of the hottest places on Earth. I mean, we were 120, 125 degrees. The pool was not really a pool. It was more of a hot tub. And uh even the ocean, I remember us, that's where I learned how to take a, a 10 pound weight and tie a ski rope to it and just jump off the side, hold on to it and just try to get as deep as you can to get, to get, to get in some cold water. Okay. <laughs> do you recall, do you recall your first week? Do you call, do you recall arriving in any like club med culture shock or? So, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know, you know, I just saw what I saw online. And then when they were telling me like where I was going and I kind of was doing some research and, I can't remember um, again who I was talking to. So I was asking like, well, what kind of ski boats, you know, do they have down there? Uh, and this is before, obviously I got down there and, you know, I, I grew up, you know, skiing behind Mastercrafts and, and, you know, Nautiques and Malibus. And I'll never forget. They said, Oh, they have, um, they have Boston whalers. I'd never heard of a Boston whaler. I'm like, I have, I didn't want to sound like I was an idiot. And I was like, Oh yeah. Boston whalers. Great boats. Great boats. Never heard of them. And so I looked them up online. I kid you not. The homepage, like marketing homepage, was a dude driving a Boston Whaler, literally cut in half, like cut in half. And their motto was Boston Whalers, you can't sink them. And I'm like, <laughs> what boat am I going to be? Like, what is this? And sure enough, when I got down there, they had two Boston Whalers, you know, outboard motors, like a, I don't know, 120, 150 Evinrude, whatever it was. And that early part of the season, you know, it was, it was really, really windy. And I kid you not, you could not sink these things. And trust me, I tried a couple, a couple of times. And um, yeah, so that was that was interesting to get exposure to a, a different a different type of uh, ski boat. 
Did you get any kind of culture shock arriving? Uh, like, I don't know if were, were the guests mostly North American or, or European or. It was a good mix. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the Californians, you know, West coast folks would, would come down as far as my first week. I mean, I remember getting off the plane in, um, I remember the airport, either Wymus or San Carlos. I can't remember which location. Getting off the plane, you know, I've got a couple suitcases. You know, they told me what to bring, all the different colors I had to bring with me. And then I had my ski gear with me. And I really didn't know who, like, how I was going to get to the resort. I didn't know what I was, literally just not knowing what I was doing. And so I get off the plane and, and I see a Club Med sign, but it's like written and just like, it's not even branded or anything. It's like handwritten. So I walk up and I, it was the um, scuba boat captain. And he's like, Hey, are, are you, know, you, are you Boone? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, we're waiting for one other person um, who was in charge of sailing. His name was Francois. So he shows up and they knew each other. They worked with each other before. So I get in this car with two dudes. That I have no idea who they are. And they just start talking in, in French. And so I have no idea what they're saying. And then I started kind of backtracking. I'm like, did I get in the right car? Like this guy had a handwritten note that just said club. I think he misspelled club med, to be honest with you. And I'm like, I, where am I going? Like, where, where are these guys taking me? Um, not understanding. The world. They're not really talking to me too much either. And so I was like, all right, let's just, let's see what happens and pull into the resort. And, you know, the pictures that you see online, even back then, man, I was like, I didn't think I was in the right place because of just, you know, it was older, older resort, older club, older village. And I know they had some storms that came through in through that winter time. So, you know, there was, I mean, it looked, it looked in rough, rough shape. And uh, when I got there, it was the, the legendary Chris Hammer Keeley and his wonderful wife, Julie, uh, that greeted me. And yeah, that's, that's really where it started. So as far as shock or anything, it was more of you know, let's see what this is. And, and, you know, Hammer will always tell the story of how introverted I was and how shy I was. It was more of at the beginning, just trying to figure out like, you know, how do I fit in? How do I help out? How do I contribute? And then once I kind of figured out like what my lane was, then that allowed me kind of open up a little bit and kind of show that, that personality. But, you know, this is my first time really being away from home for this this period of time being in really just a completely different environment so it was just a matter of just kind of figuring out where i fit in and you know how i could help out so since this wasn't an internship were you only required to stay like three months or four months well yeah it was supposed to be three months but the the deal was hey we need you for at least six you know because of just the way the contracts worked right so you know, I got there in March. We opened up in April. I think the village closed in October. And so I had to leave early September because I think I started college like that mid-September time frame. And, you know, when I went back and I was supposed to be writing these reports and all this other stuff, sending it back. I mean, <laughs> that worked all of like for maybe a couple of weeks. And then I was like, forget it. If they, you know, if they want to hear from me, they can, they can call me because it's, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working seven days a week and just loving life and just figuring out what Club Med is all about. So when I went back, back home, I had six more months of college left. I was graduating in March of 99. So I honestly didn't think, I thought, you know, this was just kind of a one and done. Like it was a great experience and it was, you know, met a lot of great people and, and made a lot of, you know, great friends and met, you've got this exposure to different languages, different people, different cultures. And, and you know, when you, said about the guests, you know, they were from all over the place, mostly North Americans, but we had a lot of, 
you know, Mexicans come, Europeans, and, and it was a good blend, um, even, you know, for folks to get to Sonora Bay. So I didn't think much other than this was great, awesome. And then as I got towards my graduation date, you know, Hammer gets in touch with me and he's like, hey, man, you know, what are you doing after you graduate? And that was a cool thing was that he actually, you know, remembered. And so I said, oh, man, I got a few things lined up. Man, I didn't have anything lined up. I was 22 years old at the time, you know, just trying to figure out what my next steps were. And he's like, you know what, I, that's awesome, but uh, I'm going to need you to drop whatever it is that you have planned because you're going to come to Cancun with me. I didn't have anything lined up, no, no sense of employment after I graduated, 22 years old. And this guy that I absolutely admired is telling me I'm going to go to Cancun with him. I'm like, done, boom, I'm there. And then that, you know, that continued journey within the club med world, that's, that was kind of like phase two, if you will. So in all, all in all, you went from like 98 to um, 2003. Is that when you stopped or? Uh, 2004, I think. So overall it was like close to six and a half years. And like every other club med <laughs> XGO, you know, you take those breaks in between thinking, ah, man, you know, I'm going to go out and go out to the real world. I'm now, you know, I'm a XGO. Everybody knows who I am. And then you go in the real world and you realize nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares who you are. You're not a rock star anymore. And then you're like, God, I really miss Club Med. And then you end up, <laughs> you end up kind of boomeranging right back, right? Um, yeah. So I did that a couple of times for sure. So yeah, really kind of that 98 was my first season and then kind of wrapped things up and, and really dove into the real world around that 2004 time frame. You got any funny stories from your first season? Oh, man. Greg, I don't think you have enough time on this podcast. Give me the top one from Sonora. Got yeah. to be a top story. What? It's got to be the top number well, one the story. The cool thing about that season was, yeah, there is, oh, man. Well, I'll kind of give the context of just that season overall. The cool thing was it was Hammer's first season as Chiba Village, right? And he did something strategically that I look back, I'm like, gosh, it was genius. He brought in a lot of first season geos. Like there was a lot of folks that just like me, like, what did I get involved in? Like, what is this place all about? And then he mixed in some really great, you know, veteran geos that he had worked with. You know, I got a chance to, that's where I first met Big Red. Heidi Jacobson was our, our uh, costumeer. She was like my big sister, a great, you know, geo couple who unfortunately, you know, are, they aren't around with us anymore. Sneaky and Chantel were, were there. They were great. I mean, just a great blend of new and top performing geos that these new geos could learn from. And, and really, I, mean, I got taken under a lot of wings and, and it was so cool to just understand the opportunity. Right. And some folks got it. Some folks, though, looked at it as, oh, this is work. This is a job. Those of us that made it and ended up like yourself staying with the club for a while, you realized, my God, this is the best life I could ever ask for. Like if I'm required to be at a bar at 7 p.m. for bar games, are you kidding me? That's not a, it's not a job. That's that's awesome. That's I mean, I'm I'm living life here. This is fantastic. So I think, you know, that was kind of the foundation to really kind of getting out of that that comfort zone. And then obviously the shows and, and just being able to entertain. And that kind of led to the foundation of me eventually, you know, getting into stand-up comedy. So I love doing like the, the lip sync battles, you know, my, my ski team, Mark and uh, Mike Lemire were, were fantastic. And they, you know, I think were trying to test me to see what my uh, comfort level was when they said, Hey, we got to do the lip sync battle. We're going to do it's raining men, right. The classic they're like, you know, you know, 
what do you feel about wearing a dress and, and high heels? And I was like, done, let's do it. Tell me what, <laughs> tell me what you need me to do. I'll do it. And so that kind of just having that almost open slate or, or open canvas of just exploring you know, within a structured format, right? You got structured numbers, but you could kind of play around and improv a little bit. Just being able to do that was so fun. But one thing I'll think about, I'll tell you in regards to just something that was memorable to me was we did a, um, or they were going to do this, this evening event or show at the, at the disco Rocky horror picture show, right? The classic. Well, I'd never seen Rocky horror picture show. I had no idea what they were talking about. And our chief of sports back then, gosh, it was Eric Turner. He gave me this cassette again. That's how, how old we are. Greg gave me a cassette and said, I need you to learn these words where you're going to perform this. You're going to be Frankenfurter for this Rocky horror picture show. I don't know who Frankenfurter is. I have no idea. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll do it. No worries. So late at night after getting back from the from the disco and after a couple of weeks, I start listening to this tape and I learn the words. And they're like, hey, you know, we're going to be doing the show in a couple of days. You got it down? I'm like, yeah, I got I got the words down. Everything's good. I'm like, but sweet transvestite? Like, what? what? Who is this guy? And that's when they found out. They're like, wait a minute. You've never seen Rocky Horror Picture Show? I'm like, no, I, I have no idea. And they could not stop laughing at me because I honestly had no idea what it was that they were talking about. And so Heidi, our costumeer, she's like, you know what, let me just show you what you have to wear. And this will hopefully give you a little bit more context to who, <laughs> who this character is. I mean, the costume didn't even, I mean, it barely hung on the, on the hanger, right? It's thigh highs and, and some <laughs> tight, like, I was like, wait a minute, I, you want me to wear that? So then they got me all dolled up and I ended up doing it. And then first thing I did when I got back from, you know, my first season there, first thing I did, what do you think I did, Greg? I watched that movie and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, this is my mom and dad are going to be so proud. Of me. <laughs> this is eerily similar to my exact same story of I've never seen it either. And I had to do Rocky and they handed me the tiniest thing. Like you said, I said, what's this? They said your uniform. I'm like, oh my God, you know? So no, I, this is, yeah. And then like you, I went home and watched it going, oh my God, what, what did we do? And, and did the people throw like whipping toilet paper rolls at your head while you were trying to do this number? The place went crazy. Cause I, (laughs) just based off of the, the words and the song, like it was the actual song and stuff, the music. I'm like, okay, I I figured out like how to, I figured out like the, how to act as it, but I didn't know the specifics of the character. So yeah, once it, we put it all together, man, people loved it, man. It was, it was such a great show to do. So fun. You know, Big Red was in there. You obviously Hammer and Julie were in it. So it was, it was a lot of fun to do. And, and, you know, it carried on even, you know, we did it a number of times in Cancun as well. Now, did you become like comfortable on the mic in Club Ed or before that? Like, where did that, like, where did it start? Like, or did you know you had it? Did you know you had it in you before Club Ed? No, not at all. I mean, I've always been a fan of, of comedy. I mean, I grew up loving bugs bunny like uh, me too know, bugs, bugs bunny was made for adults i mean and, but yeah getting that exposure at an early age to just the, the timing and the humor of that uh, but i also grew up in a family of just smart alex right i mean there wasn't a lot of i love using my family but a lot of laughter and just like just how quick they were in just one-liners and just trying to one-up each other and so there's just a ton of laughter and as a young kid I got exposed to that and the first comedian I guess that I ever really saw I found a VH again I'm dating myself here Greg (laughs) VHS tape 
uh, that uh, of Robin Williams of a show he did. My parents taped it on HBO, and it was a HBO special he did called Rob Williams a night a night with Rob Williams in, in San Francisco. And I watched it, and I didn't I didn't understand all the jokes. I mean, I was probably eight nine, maybe ten years old at the most. I didn't understand all the jokes, but man, I was just in awe of his performance and his energy and just his facial expression. So I had like all these different ingredients and appreciation for comedy, but I, I never thought of myself being necessarily funny or, or, you know, being a comedian down the road, but then you take that and get exposed to that world of being on stage and being comfortable, you know, you know how it is just seeing that laughter or that, or that response from, from an audience or from, you know, from a crowd and having that opportunity to do a little bit of improv based off of characters. I mean, not everybody does the same, you know, Frankenfurter, there's different variations. You have this structure to go off of. So, you know, being able to do that, I never was on the microphone either in, in, in Sonora. And uh, I really didn't have that experience until I kind of got into, into Cancun did some numbers away. I did some mic work and then just watching, you know, the pros, if you will, like hammer, like, you know, all the chiefs of great chiefs of villages out there. I had a chance to work with Ryan Leach as well. Just seeing how they worked on the microphone, you know, you just start unknowingly kind of putting these pieces together, but it wasn't until I was working for hammer in Sandpiper where, you know, we were doing these adult comedy shows and we actually decided to just rewrite that adult comedy routine and we just came up with different jokes and actually we were just googling jokes and just figuring out like how could we act these out so as we started doing that more and more i'll never forget you know he approached me one night obviously after a couple cocktails he's like man have you ever thought about doing stand-up i was like no not not really and so he gave me this book that was about writing jokes Wait, who's uh, who's he again Boone? who gave you the hammer book? hammer okay hammer. yeah and so he gave me this book about how to write jokes and joke structure. And he's like, you know, just take this book and just think about it. He's like, I think you should give it a shot. And so I went back and I you know, read it and, and it really kind of made sense to me. And, and I started writing material and I just started writing, writing, writing. And that's when I really learned, like, it's not about just performing. It's you got to have the right material and the right flow and the, and the right, you know, setup and punchline. So I started um, really diving into it. And finally came up with kind of a five minute set. And I figured, man, I might as well give it a shot. So I got in touch with the, uh, the improv in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. And I asked them about when their next open mic was, got signed up and, you know, told Hammer about it. And I was like, you know, I got to get 10 people, though, to show up. You know, and I was like, I don't know how we're going to do that. Hammer being Hammer. And he's like, don't worry about it. Done. He got a bus and had all of the geos get on this bus and head down to West Palm beach floor at the improv just to see me do a five minute bit. And so, you know, I was so nervous. I was so like, what am I, again, that whole kind of comfort out of your comfort zone. What am I doing? Like, how am I going to make this happen? Now I put a lot of work into those five minutes, a lot of writing, a lot of practice. And so I'll never forget like getting up there on stage or like, ladies and gentlemen, it's first time on stage all the way from, you know, Seattle, Washington, give it up for Boone. And of course, you know, I got the club med crew there and they're going wild. So I get into my bit and I just got locked in. Like I was like I practiced and, and boom, I went right into it. And I knew I was going to get the response from the club med crew, right? Because they were awesome. They're going to give me that support. But what I realized is like I was getting laughter from people that didn't know who I was. And, and 
when you're on stage, you know how it is. You can't see that far out, but you're in tune. You can hear things. You can kind of see that front row and see their response and their facial expressions. So I just felt like it felt good. Like I could tell I was killing it and it wasn't just because of my club med crew. It was, you know, I was getting a great response from people that again, that didn't know me. So I did five minutes and, and it was great. And, and afterwards the manager came up to me and he's like, Hey, that's, I haven't seen you perform here before. You know, where do you perform at? You know, how long have you been doing this? And I was like, man, this is my first time. And he's like, Oh my gosh, you got to come back. We're doing a competition, an amateur competition you know, let me get your name and I'll get you in it. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, this is my first time. I'm like, I've never done this before. So I don't, I don't know if I'm ready yet for that. It's like, no, 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 You, you know, you won't know unless you try. So just do it. So fast forward a couple of weeks, I, I come back and I'm in uh, this, you know, preliminary round, end up doing the same five minutes and won the preliminary round. And so then my third time on stage, I come back for the finals and I end up winning the finals. And so that kind of all of a sudden opened this door to, Oh my gosh, there's something, there's something here that I can, that I can try out. And I got to do, you know, more MC work um, through the improv. And so anyways, you know, that led into me doing more and more comedy after club med, but I don't know if I ever would have even done it or even thought I could do it. If hammer, you know, hadn't have seen something in me that I, I didn't see myself. And that's why I think being a, you know, XGO, when you have, those relationships with folks, especially great leaders like, like hammer, you know, it's those moments in time that really set you up for what your future could potentially be. And that was one of those for me that, I mean, I'll never forget that set me up to do stand up and has led me to where I am today. And speaking of today, who makes you laugh today? Like, do you, do you like Will Ferrell or Bill Murray? Like, or Dave Chappelle? Like, where do you, how do you, oh, man, uh, where, where, where do you get your yeah. laughs? You know, I appreciate, you know, all comedians. And, and that's, I look at comedy as truly an art form where you know, you're up on stage and you're trying to paint a picture that that audience will appreciate it. That will understand that will, you know, give you a response on whether or not they like what you're painting or if they, you know, if they don't like, so there's a ton of them out there. I mean, I, Bill Murray's fantastic. Yeah. Chappelle, I got to see Rob Williams live when I was living in San Francisco and Susie and I were living in San Francisco and I was doing a lot of stand up there and, and seeing him live was just a whole different experience, which is pretty cool. So, and then the classics, you know, Richard Pryor, uh, Eddie Murphy, you know, George Carlin. I mean, there's, there's so many different great ones, you know, and, and then improv actors like Will Ferrell, Tina Fey. I mean, just her ability, her writing ability is so just admirable. I mean, I, I, I love them all. And I think I appreciate what they do even more because I've, I've seen it and, and experienced it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Now from Cancun, like why don't you just rattle off the villages where you worked if possible? So yeah, first season Sonora Bay and then um, Cancun. So I worked Cancun as close to like three years, but it was a little over a year and a half straight with hammer went home for a little bit more so to just detox <laughs> because that was, you know, that's not, it wasn't the family village. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, and, you know, 18 and over. And, and uh, uh, get, get, get that lime juice out of your eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, had to get, I had to go to the doctor. I was, I had a, you know, I had to go to a doctor. I had a problem with snorting salt and squeezing lime <laughs> in my eyes. So um, yeah. So took a little bit of time off, had a chance to go to Crested Butte for a short period of time. 
of all things, I went there and they had me bartend. I'm like, I don't know if this is the right decision, but I'll do it for you guys. <laughs> so, uh, Greg Schneider was there. So it was cool to work with him. And, and some of my, my water ski crew were, were working there, you know, Smokey, Matt Simon, I think Heidi was there as well. So really great crew that was what there. And I was really kind of going there to recruit back Matt Simon and, and Chris Lang, his nickname is Smokey to come back to Cancun one more time for like one last season, like one last hurrah. Ryan Leach was going there as, as chief of village or was already there as chief of village. So then we went back to, to Cancun. So I spent about another six, seven months there and then took a little bit of time off. And then hammer was going to Sandpiper and he asked me to go there. And I was like, are you serious? Why, why in God's green earth would I want to go from Cancun to Sandpiper? Like I, I'm not doing a family village village. Are you crazy? I tell you what, man, once I figured out and obviously with hammer kind of guide me along the way, once I figured out Sandpiper, oh my gosh, I had a blast there. I probably partied there almost as much or even more than I did in Cancun because, again, when you have a leader like Hammer, you get some great people and, you know, you make that, regardless of where you are, you make that environment just a fun environment, not only for the for the GOs, but for the GMs as well. I mean, we just, we had a blast there. And so, yeah, that was, those were kind of the, the, the resorts I've been to. Helped out Hammer for a short period of time in Extapa as well, but trying to think if that, yeah, I think that's all of them. Okay, so interesting you mentioned uh, Sandpiper because, as you know, I had your your wife Susie on before you, yeah, and uh, I wanted to know how you met. So she claims that she saw you on stage like her first night in the village, and I said, "Well, wait a minute, you you arrived to Sandpiper, have fun, yet you meet your husband the first night you see him." And so, do you recall, like? How were you guys friends at first? Do you were, was there an instant attraction? Do you do you recall um, seeing her for the first time? Yeah, so I, you know, she she saw well her her seeing I guess when I say us well, I was doing that number that that I think she probably mentioned of great chief of the kids club Trevor Ray who uh, up from uh, Toronto him and I just had a blast like just improving with each other and and you know hammer wanted to do instead of like the variety show you want to do something different and so we decided you know what, let's do like the gong show you know back in the day and so it kind of gave a little bit more guest involvement and so you know guests were the judges and you know we had your classic numbers that you knew weren't going to get gonged but then hammer's like hey I, we need to get some some more numbers that will get gonged so we can have a good good flow so we came to trevor and i and he's like hey i need you guys to come up with something and we're like yeah 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 we'll figure something out well, where do all great ideas, you know, begin, Greg, the bar. So Tre <laughs> Trevor and I are at the bar just kind of talking, like, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden we went down this path of just talking in German accents. And then all of a sudden it just clicked like, oh, do it. that's it. Siegfried and Roy. We're going to do Siegfried and Roy. Now, Siegfried and Roy before the accident. So just everybody out there, we're yes. not that cool. We're not going to do it after. It was well before. So we figured out like what we were kind of what we were going to do, but we knew ah, we're just going to improv it. They'll gong us after a minute. And I remember hammer kept asking us like, wait, what are you guys going to do? And we're like, that, don't, don't worry about it. it. It's fine. We'll figure it out. We, it's that show that night we're supposed to be up and we're going up next. And hammer's like, you guys, what are you doing? And it literally just that entire time. We're like, don't worry about it. We're going to get gonged here in a minute. Now, just as a preparation, we took Brian Davidson who was on uh, all my ski team, just as a, you know, just as an in case, we found a bear suit backstage 
and we put him in it. Now this bear suit was made for somebody between the height of like five foot two and maybe five foot four. Brian Davidson is six foot three, six foot four, but we crammed his body into this bear suit. And I kid you not, like the legs came up mid calf. The arms were like halfway up his forearms. But the funniest thing was that the head part, like the ears, like he couldn't get the thing over his head all the way. So the ears were pointing straight backwards. So we said, listen, we'll call you out if we kind of get caught. Long story short, something that we thought we were going to get gonged in a minute ended up being like a 10-minute bit. And the audience was just dying, dying, laughing. And so we had kind of been became part of the um, the gong show going forward. And, yeah, so we got to do it again. And that's where Susie saw two nitwits on stage just running around. Oh, oh, I am Siegfried and I am Roy. And tonight we're going to do magic. And it just built into itself. So, yeah, that's when she kind of first saw me. And then, you know, when I first met her, I was like, God, this, this girl is so much fun. She's so cool. And I was such a nitwit trying to introduce myself and kind of get to know her. I, I, first time I really kind of talked to her was backstage. And I'm like, oh, you know, what's your name? So, oh, my name's my name's Susie. I'm like, oh, my name's Boone. You know, where are you from? I'm from Chicago, but I live here, live here in Florida. Um, down in Fort Lauderdale. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm just trying to make it something cool to say. And usually I'm pretty good about, you know, picking up something on the spot as far as something funny. I mean, I was like, I couldn't think of anything. So I just said, oh, well, you know, I got friends in Fort Lauderdale. She's like, oh, great. That's awesome. And then I didn't know like what else to say after that. Like I just completely bombed and I'm like, all right, well, see you later. And that was it. I was like, I, I just had my chance and I just completely fumbled it. Right. But yeah, we became friends and, and just really had a blast laughing with each other. And, and just, you know, one of my objectives was just trying to make her laugh as much as possible. And this kind of, you know, started to, to grow from there. And, you know, here we are. Gosh, it'll be like 15 years this coming this coming June. And because of Club Med and this union, you you have a daughter, correct? So this yeah. da- daughter would not have happened without Club Med, right? But yeah, it, she would not be here. There's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened if, if, if we didn't have Club Med, you know? I mean, just the, the, the friends and relationships and then obviously those relationships that lead to, you know, you know, marriage and then kids. I know there's a lot of ex-GOs, good friends of ours that have kids with, with you know, partners that they've met in, in Club Med. So yeah, our, our daughter, Samantha, she's a four and a half and, and, Man, she is she is awesome. She, I'm gonna have my work cut out for me because she doesn't look anything like me. She looks like her her mom, which is you know that's great. But she definitely has the the humor and the timing of of her old man. So it's a, it's a great combination. And and she's been to Club Med a couple of times and looking forward to taking her more. All right now, just to get back to to Susie, I, I during our conversation, I think I can uh, pinpoint uh, where the or the catalyst was for the attraction because she mentioned that uh, <laughs> you asked her to do the brouette. Now, I I've done the brouette several times in the Water Sea Show. I did it with an amazing girlfriend in Cancun, but I've also done the brouette with someone I didn't know, and it's very awkward. It's kind of like two actors that have a love scene. It's you yeah. know because the female has to straddle you in the water, and if you don't know her, it's like oh my god, this is awkward. So yeah. something's going to happen or something's not going to happen. So that that's just my theory about the brouette kind of bringing people together is, is there anything yeah. to that or my way off base <laughs> no spot on greg okay. gotta, and then, especially if it's somebody that you don't know you just got to preface hey by the way the water's really cold so i just you yes. know yes. let you know yeah it's just uh you know yeah don't, don't, yes don't don't get offended if i do and don't get offended yeah. if i don't type of thing yeah okay got exactly. it exactly okay. exactly <laughs> but yeah so like that was one of the things too like just you know, in, in that ski show in Sandpiper, you know how tight it is in that in that cove. 
you know, it's just making sure you find the right person that you can kind of just throw around on your shoulders and upside down and all that stuff. And so, you know, when, when Susie, you know, came there, I was like, oh man, she'd be great for the, for the brewette. And I think either consciously or subconsciously, I probably had my own subliminal like <laughs> intentions maybe. Um, but yeah, she came down and, and it was a lot of fun and yeah, she was, she was great. And, and we, you know, still ski to this day. She wakeboards quite a bit. So yeah, that was definitely, uh, like I said, that kind of maybe conscious or unconscious attempt that trying to progress the relationship, if you will. Okay. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Ryan Leach and, and Hammer. Were there any other uh, chief of villages you clicked with or any other chief of services that you'd like to mention here? Yeah. Well, you know, Hammer obviously is the one that, you know, still mentor to me today. And, and uh, he was the one I worked with for the most seasons. Ryan, though, was my chief of sports. And then, you know, chief of village in Cancun. Love, love Leachy, man. He's he was a blast to yeah. party with. Yeah, wasn't he great, man? Still great. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, yeah. um, just a blast. Worked for Kevin Bat for a little bit. And like I said, for Greg Schneider and um, in, uh, in, in Crested Butte. But, you know, that crew was was fantastic. And, and again, really those those leaders that just had those contagious leaders, right. That just had great people that wanted to follow them, you know, wherever they went because of just the fun that they brought the energy. You know, I never had a chance to work with Hendel, but um, you know, definitely saw him at a lot of the villages that um, you know, that, that he would come visit. So had a chance to hang out with him quite a bit, but yeah, just, just a great crew. And then brother actually worked for club Matt and he, he worked for some, some great chiefs of villages as well. And all your time in Club Ed, did you ever run into any uh, celebrities, celebrity encounters? Oh, man. Celebrities. Or I mean, athletes, Greg, we were the celebrities, athletes. Greg. We were the celebrities. <laughs> I mean, we had the badge. Yes. We had the badge. That's right. Gosh, you know what? I think the, the oh, well, th- speaking of comedians, Jim Brewer came to um, Sam Piper, had a chance to hang with him, and he did a little bit of a set. It was some part of some radio contest up in New York. Uh, he, he, was does, cool. he, he does Tracy Morgan better than Tracy Morgan. Have oh, you yeah. Tracy Morgan. Oh, my God. It's hysterical. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's great. Great impressionist. Yeah, he, he was a cool dude. I'm trying to think. We also had a, uh, a WNBA player in Cancun. I think it was Cooper. I can't remember. She was Hall of Famer. She was pretty cool. I think probably one of the funniest, though, was I don't know if he was necessarily a star but people thought he was a star so we had a, an impersonator come to cancun a neil diamond impersonator now when i tell you this cat looked like neil i mean he was a spitting image of neil diamond like man he had the hair and i mean just mirror image right so he came there and he you know he's on vacation he's one of the you know club met performers that we used to do back in the day and you know, some people were like kind of looking at him and kind of like, God, is that Neil Diamond? But, you know, he didn't have like a like a big entourage or anything. So we had him do his gig, his show one night. And we had like, you know, fake security. We brought him out in a golf cart and everything. People lost their minds. And he sounded like Neil Diamond, right? He had the whole, you know, USA red, white and blue sequin shirt. I mean, he was it does all these songs people i mean women are losing their mind everybody's just like oh my god neil diamond is here well hammer then makes the mistake <laughs> hammer makes the mistake at the end ladies and gentlemen we'd like to introduce our neil diamond impersonator 
and basically says flat out, like, this isn't actually Neil Diamond. It's so-and-so that's a Neil Diamond. We almost had a riot on our hands. People were so mad that they got duped on a Neil Diamond impersonator. Like, people then also, like, started to boo. Like, we were trying to hold people back. Like, it's okay. Like, he's still good. Like, people were like, what? That's not Neil. And and so, like, it went from, like, awesome crescendo to, like, just complete nosedive in, like, 2.2 seconds. Oh man, that's unfortunate. <laughs> okay. Oh, it was great. It was great. You have any more funny stories like that from any season? Oh my gosh. Obviously, obviously <laughs> I know I know I'm hamstringing you with my clean and appropriate rules. So I my apologies, but yeah. If you... <laughs> no. I'll I'll tell you one of the lessons that I learned. Sure. When you when you don't know something. <laughs> okay. So in, in Sonora Bay, <laughs> I'll never like I like beginning of the season, like, like I said, it's very, very windy. And we were right next door to the say or not Salem, but the windsurfing, right? They had the windsurfing team. And so I'd be driving the boat all day and I'd watch these guys windsurf and they were awesome. They do beach starts and I just kind of watch and watching and just visually just learning like how they're how they were doing it, right? So I'm like, man, I want to do that. It looks so cool. So one day after after work, you know, shutting down water ski, they're shutting down windsurfing. I was like, hey guys, can I take a kind of take a, a board and a sail out. You know, I've, I've been watching you guys. I think it's so cool what you guys do. I'd love to try it. Now, this is a pretty windy day, right? And they're like, ah, well, you know, today's probably not the best day. And I'm like, no, 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 just give me a board and a and a sail and, and I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. and so now they're like, now they're like, who is this kid? Who is this kid, right? First season, like thinking, and they're like, okay, all right, here you go. They give me a board, they give me a sail. And they were trying to tell me like how to start you know, pulling it up i was like no, no 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 i can do a beach start i was watching you guys and then you know me being just naive at that age i did figure it out like i i did a beach start right and so i took off and in my mind i'm like yeah right i knew i would show these guys so i'm hauling and i'm flying down but then all of a sudden i realized wait a minute i don't know how to get back like, i don't <laughs> yeah. know how to turn the thing around yep all of a sudden I start thinking about it and I said, the wind is howling. I pitched that sail and I went flying over the front end. I could not for the life of me, could not get the sail back up. I could not get in the right position. And so if you've been to Snore Bay, there's like another hotel, like way down the beach, like probably a mile and a half. I ended up past that and I had to do <laughs> the walk of shame, you know, ankle deep or, you know, calf deep of water dragging this board with the sail back i have never been so tired in my life nobody came to get me nobody checked up on me like they just knew this nitwit's gonna go out there he's gonna end up down past this hotel and he's walking this thing back finally get back into the resort you know get showered and i'm bracing to make it to you know to the bar for bar games and that whole sailing team they told my ski team what happened you know i'm just exhausted still and everybody just just razzed me for not just that night like for the rest of the season man it was it was horrible um so yeah definitely got to have a little bit of humbleness when you, <laughs> you don't necessarily know how to do something did you ever uh, did you ever get the hang of windsurfing i did a little bit yeah i did and did it in 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 cancun a little bit more so yeah i finally picked it up my brother got to be a really good uh windsurfer so it was kind of cool to see him gain gain that skill set current question do you have a dream where you're still back at club med working do you do you dream or and if you do dream do you get this dream a lot because they dream about that every single oh, okay. day it's not like a dream dream like, <laughs> okay I'm in the corporate like 
Okay. If I, if the me 20 years ago saw the me now, we probably would be fighting in the parking lot just laughing <laughs> at it because you know, back then you're like, man, I'm never like that's never going to be me corporate ladder, you know, wearing a suit. Forget that. That's where I am today. I, now I love what I do and I, where I am today is a big part of the experiences I've had in Club Med. I mean, everything I learned in Club Med, I apply it every single day. But there's times where I'm in my office and I'm just looking out the window, I'm like, God, I would kill to just be back in my boat in Cancun pulling people or pulling, you know, people in Sandpiper and just being at the bar and, and talking with GMs and, and GOs. Like not a day goes by, man, when when something in the real world kind of slaps you in the face and you're like, and that's when you're like almost tempted to just make that phone call. We've all been there, Greg. Gosh, you know what? Beep, boop, 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 boop. Hey, club man, heard you need some help out there. What do you need? I got a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, man. So it, it's not a day that goes by, man. It's like, God. And, and just the time that, you know, Susie and I had in Sandpiper, we had a blast there. So thinking about that and, but you know, you, you, you can reflect back and that's the great thing about having, you know, these types of things, you know, this podcast is you get to kind of go back down memory lane and, you know, kind of share those stories. All right. Cool. Now this might be a tough question. I don't know. I'm curious to see that of all the scenes as you've done, all, all the villages, was there a season that was uh, magical in any way? Was it the first one in Snorra Bay because it was your first one? Or was it a later one? Or that they're all special yeah, in their own way? That's a trick question, Greg, because am I, I supposed to say the season that I met Susie? I feel like uh, you're... No, 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 Because, you know, what you you had a life before Susie, right? So, um, like, for me personally, I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, mine was, was my first because it was my first. And it was a crazy time in Turks and Caicos in 94. And we had this whole Rhino's record celebration there. So, yeah. So oh. no, it was, uh, it, no, it, tru- it truly was, was my first, but there were, there were other seasons. Yes. That were very special, but I, I just use the term magical, I guess, because uh, it was kind of, it's kind of a feeling that, that was never recreated, you know, like it was only in yeah. that one, one resort. So I was just curious if, uh, but you know, you could say you like them all for different reasons and, uh, and uh, you know, yeah. keep, keep Susie off our backs, you know, yeah. that, that helps. <laughs> well, there's most memorable, then there's most special and there's, now, you know, I mean, obviously when, when Susan and I met in Sandpiper, that was, that was, you know, obviously memorable. And, and, you know, that's where we are today, you know, almost 15, 15 years later after we got married. But, you know, I would say that that first season, because it really, you know, set the foundation to the experiences I had after. Right. And I was, you know, there's, I believe in, in moments in time when you're, when you're blessed with, interactions or, or meetings or, or opportunities to just, you know, meet folks that have an impact on your life. And that season was definitely one of those for me that want, like really, really made me want to get back to club med and, and just take full advantage. Right. And, and take full advantage of those, you know, other opportunities. But I think it was that first season, especially, like I said, being lucky enough to work for hammer and, you know, that contagious leadership that he brought, I learned so much from him just in that first season and then continuing on that relationship and, and working for him for, for um, additional seasons, you know, it all started there. And, and so I, I would say that one would probably be the most memorable as far as, you know, again, that foundation to the future seasons I had. Now, before I, before I let you go, because you've been so generous with your time, is there something I'm, I'm forgetting to ask you? Is there something you wanted to say? Like, um, uh, I don't want to go I'll tell you something that kind of from the very beginning, it kind of brings us all full circle to the impact that club med has, you know, on, on lives and really how small, 
of a world it is, right? I mean, you know, Greg, you and I never had a chance to work together, but, you know, I heard of you, you heard of me and, and us being able to meet, you know, at that one reunion in 2008 and just being able to share stories. And that's what this whole thing is all about, right? So kind of going back to when I, when I first learned about Club Med and, and who I first interviewed with, Mr. Mr. Steve Miller, back in 98. Well, back in 98, that was the first and last time I had ever spoken to Steve. Like, I, you know, this wasn't, social media wasn't around, you know, back then. So, you know, I've never really thought about him after that, right? Fast forward, though, to about 2012, 2013, and my brother and I, you know, we were eight years apart, so I'm eight years older than him. So he always had a chance to come visit me in Club Med, but we never had a chance to work together, which quite honestly was probably a good thing for, <laughs> for Club Med because, you know, us two together, when we get together, it's basically we just look at each other and we're like, all right, let's make some bad decisions. And then we just go and we have fun. But I got him set up with with working for Club Med and then he did his first season in Sandpiper. You know, I gave him all the things he needed to do to just set him up for, hey, if this is the route you want to take, awesome. If not, give it a season, give it your best and then, you know, move on to something else. Well, of course, he fell in love with it and just did a phenomenal job. And he got to go to Cancun and he was in charge of windsurf and sailing, you know, down there. So I was getting ready to move companies, transition to the company that I'm with now. And so Susie and I were like, gosh, you know what? Let's go down. And we were living in South Florida at the time. Like, let's go down and visit, you know, Casey for a few days before you start this new, this new gig. So Casey gets us set up and I'm talking to him on the phone a couple of days before we're supposed to go down. And he's like, oh man, we're going to have so much fun. It's going to be so great. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. He's like, yeah, you're going to have, uh, looking forward to introducing you to a friend of mine that's on the water ski team. Her name's Carly Ann and she's from Seattle. She's a big Seahawks fan. She went to the University of Washington. She's a great water skier. She used to compete downhill snow skiing. He's talking to her. I'm like, my brother's never talked about anybody, let alone a female in, in that regard with that much like enthusiasm. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this person? So I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely meet her. And then he follows up with, yeah, and her last name is Miller. Now, again, I hadn't thought about Steve Miller for, you know, decades almost. And so it doesn't click. And I'm like, all right, well, our, our last name is Dell. So I don't know what the big deal is. Her last name, Miller, our last, like, what, what does that mean? And then he finally goes, her dad is Steve Miller. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it finally clicked. And I was like, I thought two things, like one, again, what a small, small world. And two, oh my, I am so old. Like, how is that? How is somebody that I interviewed with now a kid is in Club Med? So we go down, we visit, and, and she's great. And, and her and my brother were just friends at the time. Uh, but I saw something there. I was like, oh man, this is gonna, this is gonna lead into something. So they end up working, they go to Turks, they work together and they end up, you know, dating. So they worked at Turks for gosh, almost as long as I did in Cancun. So probably almost three years. They ended up going to Japan for a season there. So fast forward even a little bit farther, they ended up getting married a couple of years ago in Turks and over at uh, Johnny Mac's place. And then um, they now have a one-year-old, Caden, who is now part of that, that Club Med family. So it's funny, right? It just all kind of circles back. And, you know, when, when uh, we were at their wedding and I was talking, I was like, you know, on behalf of Steve Miller and I to you, Casey and Carly Ann, you're welcome. Because if we had not met in 1998, this would not be happening. Right. So yeah. And, and just having that 
club med just history of when they went through it when we went through it when, when my brother and, and carly ann went through it so you know maybe down the road you know my daughter and, and nephew will be the you know the, the future geos geos of the future one quick question did your your brother and this lady perform the brouette in the water ski show just curious. Somehow he figured okay. out how to do okay. a brouette on okay. a windscreen board. I don't know how that works. <laughs> hey, when but, there's a will, uh, there's a way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, apparently it did. Apparently it worked. So, yeah, it's uh, well, that is a yeah, definitely a very small world. I I didn't think the story was gonna land there, but I was like, oh wait a minute. While you were saying it, I go, don't tell me Miller had a daughter. Oh, wow, that's yeah. pretty cool, man. Holy jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. Oof. Man, am I forgetting to ask you anything else? Because <laughs> uh, man, you're spinning gold here, so I, I hate to let you go. No, <laughs> man. I hey, listen. This has been this has been awesome, and um, you know, like I said, man, I don't I don't know too many companies out there that would have <laughs> ex employees doing podcasts with other ex like I don't true, I don't yeah. see IBM or Microsoft doing a doing podcasts with former programmers, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many listeners they get, but yeah. yeah. Like, hey, Larry, tell me about the time that uh, you were stuck in a four by four cube for 16 hours a day. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> and you ran out of staples for your red line stapler. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. your, swing, your swing line stapler. Okay. Yeah. I remember, Larry, when you absolutely lost your minds and, uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. You're kind of describing my job now. Stop it. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, where, where, are you, where are you at now? Where, where did you end up? What are you doing? Oh, I'm at Concordia University. I'm, uh, okay. I work in aerospace engineering, just a, basically a program assistant for undergraduate students, helping them, you know, giving them advice. Uh, oh boy. You know, if you want to take advice from me, but you know, <laughs> I, I love getting, I love giving advice for students that want to quit, you know, because uh, that's when I, I really turn it on. Like, cause I wish someone would have said that to me because right now fast forward i'm trying to finish the degree i started you know before i left for club med you know wishing i had just finished it way back when so now when they tell me they want to quit i'm i, I really lay it lay it thick lay it on thick <laughs> yeah that's awesome so like, how did you like you started in 94 in turks yeah that was my first season ryan ryan leach was actually my first chief of sport and probably to this day like the best chief of sport I, i've ever had like i love ryan leach like now how how robust was the mustache back oh then? yeah oh it was full magnum pi baby uh, oh, oh yeah in fact I mean, he got he got uh, injured i think playing volleyball he left he left for a couple of weeks and when he came back everyone in the village wore a fake mustache like to greet him like that's how much <laughs> that's how much he was loved even the women were wearing fake mustaches you know <laughs> you know i it's it's so ryan actually you just made me think of probably another, well, not say probably, I guess the, I don't want to say emotional, but something that really touched my heart, something that he did when I left my season, when he was Chiba Village in Cancun. So like our ski team, I mean, you know, you sports team in general, usually you got that team full of nitwits and that was, you know, our ski team. Like we would, all of us dyed our hair, different colors, we, we just we were such a tight knit group. Like even we were thinking, all right, you know, do we, do we all get a tattoo? And some of us were like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I love you guys, but I don't love you that much. So we even, <laughs> we made the decision. All of us went downtown Cancun one night, you know, that Thursday daddy rock daddy O's. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Instead of, instead of a tattoo, you know what? We're getting nipple rings. Sure oh. enough. All five of us got nipple rings. Oh, God. Um, so anyways, you know, I would always wear, I just dress different. Like, like that, that was a cool thing about club med. You could just, Hey, here's the dress code or the colors you do with it, what you want. So during the day I'd wear my visor upside down just because I didn't, I didn't like it covering my eyes. And then, you know, at night, I, for some reason I just rolled up my pants. I don't know. I don't know why to this day I would do that. 
so I just had a certain kind of kind of look, if you will. My last night, because I had to leave a little bit earlier than than the rest of the crew, I had to get back home. And my last night, though, was so cool. The dress code was dress like Boone night. And so everybody <laughs> nice. in the village had visors on upside down or hat on backwards, pants rolled up or like always wore overalls on like jeans night or something. And that to me was like, that was so cool for, you know, him to do. And, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the cool thing about the, the people you get to meet, you know, they, 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 they make those attempts at, you know, making that, that moment in time special. And that, that was definitely one of them. Uh, wait, I, I really have to ask, okay. Uh, uh, a, does it hurt when you get your nipple pierced? And did you watch it as they were doing it? <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I don't know who's, I don't know who's more, more, more drunk us the ski team or the guy doing the piercing like he okay. I had to guide him i had to guide him to oh, where God. he was about to pierce like my upper chest and i was like <laughs> what do you no 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 no, no. Low, 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 lower 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 abajo abajo and yeah it um it wasn't that bad but you had to really maintain it right because okay. we were in that <laughs> lagoon that salt water it didn't do justice man I mean, it had to maintain. <laughs> and then i remember doing a couple numbers like the blues brothers, I think where I would slide on my chest oh, and gosh. I forgot and, and I, I rolled, like I slid on uh, the wrong side and that uh, was, okay, it's, um, again, what, like I probably, I would, I was fine with that. Like I, I was one of the ones that was like, man, I'm not getting a tattoo. I love you guys, but this, you know, that's, that's too permanent. <laughs> yeah. Let's just yeah, pierce our nipples. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's just do okay. something less, less extreme yeah, and per- have a steel rod <laughs> in a box. I think I'm more comfortable with that. Oh man. No, I definitely would have went for the tattoo. <laughs> I'm not squeamish, but just you yeah, describing yeah. the story. Well, is yeah. Making my stomach turn. Like, Oh, uh, like what if you snagged hindsight, it on right? something? If you snagged it on something, I forgot. Like, oh God. Hindsight. Okay. Hindsight. <laughs> so 94, you're in Turks. Leech yep. is there. As yep. of, who is the chief of village? It was Jean Pierre Grand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Also, so did great, you great did chief. you cross paths with Scott Duncan? That name does sound familiar. I'd have to see a a, a photo, but the name is ringing a bell. I, I don't know if he was on the team then. We did have a lot of people uh, visiting because I think he did his first season in '95 there. If what, I'm what not. He, uh, was he water ski? Uh, I think he came in as just land sports maybe i don't I okay don't the name the name sounds familiar but i don't think we ever did a season together though yeah yeah then, then like you i stopped you know and then i went back in 96 like oh, i'll get a, i'm gonna get a real job you know but yeah and then yeah. i went back from 96 straight to 2005 <laughs> oh yeah that's awesome oh wow so what, what were all the villages you were at Woo, geez i did uh, columbus isle three times so two and a half years in columbus now, well, no i didn't do anything wrong they didn't they was that because me. was that because you were on the blacklist from going no. to the casino or no no no, no i i only got on the blacklist once and that's because I, I did a season au pair in italy and then when i got back i was thinking i was a hero for helping out the company and they're like no 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 when you go au pair you're like saying you don't need us i'm like what so they sent me to columbus isle a second time for a year <laughs> yeah we're gonna work off the debt that you racked up uh, you owe us twenty five hundred dollars remember so. the, I, I love the blacklist I, I forgot about that when i started doing this podcast people reminded me of it like yeah they had a list of geos you go in the boutique because you wanted cigarettes or gum they're like oh no oh. no you owe us <laughs> or those geos that would do a whole season and then they'd go see the gestionnaire and they'd be like great season you you know thank you you owe us six hundred dollars yeah like they spent all their money and then owed money <laughs> or how you got or how you got paid out like i remember in mexico oh God. you know it's like you go you go to 
you know, cash out, if you will, like, you know, and, and they, they give you like a bag full of pesos. And now you got to go to, you know, middle of Cancun with like $1,500 worth of pesos <laughs> that you got to exchange. Hope to God you don't get, you know, mugs. Yeah, or, yeah. You feel you know, rich. Like, you feel oh. rich, right? Because of the, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the, you walk the, around. The, the notes, the notes to domination. Oh my God. I've got 1,500. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I know that'll, that'll last me all two weeks in my vacation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Wait a minute. I just handed them 1500. They gave me back 200 us. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Fees, big fees down there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I did. I did Playa Blanca in 97. So I also did. Oh, yeah. that was one I wish I could have done. They had, um, I think Sonora. So not, yeah. Cause when did, when did that one close down? Well, these you closed. Uh, let's see. Uh, they closed for the the summer actually, so that was their rainy season, I believe. Ah, so okay. Long rainy season, and then they open up around I think October, November. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no water ski there, so you probably would have had to done sailing or bar or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, my first season in Cancun, because the ski team was full, I did land sports. I yeah, that first season, and then I went back to the ski team. I think the winter. So like Red and I did. Uh, did land sports together and we had i think you had victoria mar oh, what's nick's last name nick and nick and victoria was it nick and victoria they do sailing no 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 no. nick uh i he, actually I, we worked together my first season in in, in sonora nick mar what how do you say his last name he's a pilot now oh, oh, oh yeah 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 i just interviewed yeah nick uh, nick margelos and uh, veronica yeah veronica that yeah. i don't know why yeah, I've had them both Nick on. And Biro, uh, Nick and Biro. Yeah. Well, Nick Nick came on twice, once for an XGO, once for a commercial pilot, because I wanted to know everything about how you become a commercial pilot. Yeah, so. Nick was Nick was a good guy. So we were roommates in in for a period of time in Sonora. And then um he's actually he's the one that taught me how to <laughs> so that's the other great thing about Club Med is like if you're willing to do whatever, like then they're going to put you in a situation where you just need to, you just need to do it. So my first time scuba diving, I oh, wait, 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 Boone, before, before you go on, like, do you think that the listeners, this is just an honest question. What, what should I stop the recording and we talk, or do you want to just, we'll just both keep talking and they can listen if they want, or they can shut it off. What do you want to do? Oh, up to you, man. Uh, oh, no, is... you, you tell me, man, I, 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 I like talking to you, but I, I'm, 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 it's still recording. So I don't know if the listeners <laughs> have tuned out. Or I, I don't even know how long we've gone. Oh, we've gone over an hour and 15. Oh my God. <laughs> well, no, but that's what I'm saying. You get two guys, you know, who spent a lot of yeah. years in Club Med. So we could sign off and keep As you wish, man, it's your show. I, I, I don't care, man. I mean, like, I don't know if they'll keep listening past uh, an hour, but <laughs> I'm willing to go <laughs> if you are. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, well, you can splice and you can spice it, right? Uh, yeah, well, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to run the whole thing, man. I'm just going to take out any uh, tisks or ums we make, you know, or ahs. <laughs> No, no, I'm gonna let the whole thing run, but or we could sign you off now and then keep talking. I'll tell you, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you this last story about yeah, yeah. Okay. So we my first time scuba diving was beginning of that season in March when a lot of us got there before the 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 village opened. We had to find the anchors for the floating ski dock. And so they're like, Yeah, it's there, there, there are four of them, they're out there, you know, however many yards it was. And I'm just following these guys. Like, I don't know, like it's Mark, my chief of ski. I don't know if Mike had gotten there yet, but then a couple of the, 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 the windsurfing guys and the scuba team. So they all go walking up to the scuba shack and they're getting gear on and, and tanks. And all of a sudden somebody just hands me a tank, gives me a mask and fins. I'm like, what are you doing? 
they said, well, you got to come help us. We got to do a grid and whatever. And I was like, dude, I've never scuba dive before. And he goes, well, are you comfortable underwater? I was like, yeah. He's like, then you'll be fine. Just breathe through your mouth. Oh my God. That was my lesson. <laughs> breathe through your mouth. Uh, all right. So I throw on the tank and walk out backwards, you know, with fins. And so I, you know, once we start rubbing, you know, we weren't that deep, but you're, you're just rubbing your hands back and forth, trying to find these anchors. So we're supposed to follow this grid. Well, once everybody starts moving their hands, you know, sand is all over the place. I end up probably 50 yards away from where we're supposed to be. I finally like, I hear something banging underwater. So I'm thinking maybe that means I need to go up. I don't know. So I finally pop my head up, I look over. I'm not even close to everybody else. And, and you know, I was like a windsurfing story, Boone. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, I was like, oh, I tried, man. I told you I'd never done this before. So my second time scuba diving was with Nick. And one day after work, really calm day. And he's like, oh man, let's go out and, and I'll show you a couple of things. So we go out and he hands me a Corona. Like we're okay. all geared up, ready to go jump off the side of the boat. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to drink a beer underwater. I'm like what? <laughs> like, no, no, just hold on to it and I'll show you. All right, I'll do it. So we flip over off the side of the boat and go down. I don't know how many feet it was. And, you know, he just looks at and points his eyes at mine and then at his. He's like, just watch me. And he pops that top, throws his thumb in there, takes his regulator out and just chugs it. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought he was joking. Like, he can. Act, oh, God, I, I got to do it. And so I, yeah, I did that. And um, man, I've never I've never drank a beer that fast in my life. Like, I don't even know if I tasted it. That's how fast with that pressure shot that thing down. But yeah, <laughs> Nick was, was definitely, um, a, a professional at it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now he flies planes, right? <laughs> like if passengers knew, if passengers knew <laughs> what this guy did in the past, uh, I'd be like, uh, I'll walk. I'll walk. <laughs> let me fly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me Uber. I'll Uber. What did, you, what did you do? You drank beer underwater. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Oh, bad. All right. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, that was the one, the only Boone. Okay. Wow. I want to thank you again, Boone, for sharing your story. It's been really kind of you, man. I had a great time. <laughs> hey, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for doing this. And uh, to all the, the XGOs out there, man, hope you're all doing well and, and looking forward to, to seeing you all in person uh, in the near future. There you have it from the man himself, Boone, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Boone. Bye, everybody.